This is Dr. Michael Bratlin from Chris Dental. Our response to COVID was absolutely wrong. We should never have locked down, never kept our children from going to school, never been required to wear those stupid, ineffective masks for years, never fired people for not getting vaccinated. Those that were in charge and imposed their dictatorship on the rest of us should at minimum lose their jobs. This November and every election to come, never forget what these people did to us and our children. And that's Dr. Michael Bratlin, sponsor of our show tonight. Not known for mincing words or holding back. And speaking of which, Betsy Johnson, gubernatorial candidate on the non-affiliated ticket of the Oregon Party. <laughs> not Good even a party. evening, Mr. Dancer. And that ad, which I have not seen before, is brilliant. And he is spot on. The only thing that he didn't add was how generous dentists were and how they got screwed for their time and trouble. Um, many dentists offered up their personal protective equipment willingly to hospitals. And then when they came back and asked for some relief from Kate Brown's draconian rules, the answer was go screw yourselves. They got no credit at all for selflessly stepping forward. Um, I, I uh, grilled on by a dentist is not my favorite thing, but those guys went up in my estimation exponentially when they came forward and were as, as selfless as they were. So Ms. Johnson, Mrs. Johnson, you're, you're in a mood tonight. Oh, I am in a mood tonight. Um, I, I'm in a mood tonight because what's happening in Oregon is exactly what this campaign is about. We've got political celebrities parachuting in. We've got big bags of money being dropped off from national interests. We've got everybody focused on the president being able to buy ice cream. I'm surprised with the price of eggs and milk. The sucker could afford it. But um, uh, we've got all of this national stuff happening right now. And Oregonians are getting lost. Yeah. That's the whole reason I got in this race. Oregonians need somebody to have their back. And as these ads, I hate you. I hate you more. I hate you more than more. I hate you the most. Um, Oregonians are sick of it. Yeah, They're, that is exhibit A in the problem. So, so Betsy, tell me, talk to me about these poll results because that's all I'm hearing is Betsy's got eleven percent, uh, Tina's got thirty three percent. I think the last one I saw and. Um, uh, Drazen has 44%. And so then they're calling you the spoiler. You're the Ross Perot of the Oregon governor's race. Well, the only spoiler here is Tina Kotek, who spoiled my state, ran me out of my party. You just look around at downtown Portland. That's her legacy. So you want to talk spoiler? It's downtown Tina, 10th city Tina. Um, I got in this race to be a champion for ordinary Oregonians. A vote for Betsy is a vote for Betsy. Now, I don't know how many of your viewers went to sleep thinking Hillary Clinton was going to be president of the United States based on polls. How'd that work out for? And so my argument is we're a long ways from done. There are a lot of people. I mean, I watched a guy the other night respond to a poll. And by the time he was done, he was a different ethnicity, a different sex, a different party. I don't know how many people lie to pollsters. The traditional ways of garnering information from polls is different now that everybody's got some different uh, platform that they talk on. I get up every single morning believing what I believed at the start of this, that I have the character, the capacity, and the courage to be the governor of this state. And we're in it until the absolute very end. And I, I think people are going to be surprised. So 
when you first got into this, I remember you and I had a conversation and you said that your main goal, I mean, one to lead Oregon, obviously, and to be a voice for Oregonians, but, but a main goal was to make sure that Tina Kotek did not sit in the governor's chair. So is, is that, is when you're seeing, if the polls are somewhat correct, is that better than if they were switched around? Would you rather see Drazen in the place she's at than Tina Kotek in that same position? Well, let me answer a question that you didn't ask first, because the Service Employees International have cooked up this elaborate and absolutely preposterous theory that um, that Mr. Knight and I hatched this whole thing up from the get-go, and there's some giant conspiracy theory and we were all at a party in, in the desert and hatched this whole thing up. I got into this race because I honestly believed that Oregonians needed a voice. Yep. At uh, I mean, uh, Drazen was not anywhere near the race. In fact, she was telling me she wasn't going to be in the race. And I thought, great, Tina and Betsy head to head. The contrast could not be starker. And then all of a sudden, um, Virginia happened and the Republicans all began seeing unicorns and rainbows and Drazen was in the race. So based on what I've heard from a lot of businesses and just regular Oregonians, that if Oregon continues on this Kate Brown-esque status quo slide, they're leaving the state. I think common sense and common attitudes tell us that Oregon cannot tolerate enough of uh, uh, any more of Kate Brown. And make no mistake, Tina Kotek is Kate Brown without the charm. And so um, I will I will maintain my position that I think uh, a continuation of Kate Brown's status quo would be the ruination of a state you and I both love. Um, and, um, you know, I, I want to be the governor. I think I'm the best prepared and the most capable and the guy with a, a stainless steel spine to do it and say it. I'm not running for miscongeniality. I'm running to fix a place I love. So I'm going to maintain steadfastly that I'm still the best choice. But so I wanted to debunk this ridiculous notion. Like you all sat down and had a fun. Do you, do you, are you, I mean, you're, you've been in this a long time. But I mean, are you surprised that I hear so much of you being a, a, a sheep in wolf's clothing or a wolf in sheep's clothing? And um, in terms of like criminal justice, a friend of mine, um, he's on the receiving end of this. The Supreme Court suggested that there's unconstitutional for a non-unanimous jury conviction that they should be retroactive if it's non-unanimous. And then on this website he's on, he goes, Rick, they're coming on and going, Betsy's not, she's, she's in terms of crime reform, this isn't going to happen. And, and she's just going to, you know, where, where do you stand on crime, criminal crime reform? And that kind I of wish I had a copy of the paper in front of me that lists all of the almost hundred public safety professionals that have endorsed me. Um, uh, Drazen flies out a, a governor from Maryland that looks around and goes, oh, you guys got a crime problem out here. I will lay that down side by side next to the 95, 97, however many it is, working and retired law enforcement professionals who are standing with me. The last four superintendents of the Oregon State Patrol, two thirds of the DAs, a bunch of working narcotics officers, a bunch of sheriffs and chiefs. I got the endorsement of the chiefs and the sheriffs. 
Uh, and I would much rather have guys who've been boots on the ground in the law enforcement space and to fly out some political celebrity from the East Coast to tell us we got a problem. What do you, Betsy, what do you say to people that say you're just a Democrat and, and, and they, they don't believe that you really are um, not independent but not affiliated and that you're just going to do, I hear that all the time. I mean, I, I stick up for you as much as I can and they, they just, they just are not, you knew that going in, that was going to oh, be I, I did. And it depends where you are. You're hearing down in your neck of the woods, well, she's just a Democrat in disguise. Today, I'm crossing the street in Portland and some guy pulled up in a car and he's yelling, fuck you, fuck you, get out of the race. Um, you're just a Republican in disguise. Uh, there is more made up stuff about me. It is unbelievable the amount of crap they're making up. And I would just call your attention. You and I have known each other a long time. I think pretty much what you see is what you get. Pro-choice, pro-cop, pro-job, pro-natural resource economy, pro-accountability, anti-status quo. That's It's the same old me in here. And anybody can make up any kind of bullshit they want about it. I, I am what I've been for a really long time. I've been a Republican. I've been a Democrat. I've decided now I'm an Oregonian. And that's how I'm running. I think most of us have. I've been a Democrat and a Republican. It's kind of like puppies have their eyes closed and they open them up. And um, I heard a great joke about that. I'd love to tell you sometime, but I don't want to waste my time. And, but look at um, Wayne Morse, um, Republican, Independent and Democrat. I mean, it's not like you're married to, to this situation. So, OK, measure 114. You know what it is, right? Yeah, sure. What do you think of that? I'm a no. I'm a no for a variety of reasons. It will continue the polarization in an already emotional polarized conversation. It's a Portland grab all your guns solution that they're going to try to enforce on the rest of the state. And I think it's going to pass. It's got three subjects. I'm sure it'll be litigated until the cows come home, but it isn't going to add to, to solutions for what I think we all know we have to do. I am for raising the age on buying certain weapons from 18 to 21, and I'm for much more aggressive background checks, including the opportunity for the schools to weigh in. If some kid's been sitting in his basement threatening his colleagues or writing really dark emails, um, I don't want to hear about it after the fact that some kid came off the rails. I'd like to have the schools have the opportunity to weigh in that they see a troubled child and do so without fear of being sued for profiling or that kind of stuff. Um, I'm for loading up the schools with mental health specialists and school resource officers and, um, and school uh, nurses. We've seen now the academic damage that we've done to our kids. The test scores are starting to come back and they're appalling. Yeah, oh, just unbelievable, horrible. So we know what we've done to our kids academically. What we don't know is what we've done to them socially, uh, emotionally, and mentally. But I'm going to submit to you that there's a whole cohort of kids that aren't going to be able to read, and they're going to be mighty screwed up coming out of their Kate Brown-enforced caves of two years locked up out of school with a bag over their head. They can't read, and they're ostracized, lonely, depressed, not every kid has gone home to, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Cleaver for their parents. They've had a pretty rough two years uh, at home. And I think it's going to take us a long time to remediate the damage that we've done to those kids. 
So Betsy, what do you say to that voter who's who's watching the uh, paper and the news and saying, you know, I was going to support Betsy because I like her style, I like her. I've heard this from people, and they say, but I don't think you know, eleven percent. I think I think Drazen's going to take this. I'm going to I'm going to switch my vote over that direction. And you've got to be hearing that where in your camps and stuff. What do you say to those people? But um, I am. I still say a vote for Betsy is a vote for Betsy. Uh, and uh, I mean, people are going to have to make up their own mind. The polls um, are what the polls are. I'm a very competitive person. And to see one's name in being lower down in the in the order, particularly of two people that I don't think would be the best choice for governor, hurts my heart. But I'll go back to the place where I have been right from the get go. I think I'm the right guy at the right time. People are going to make pragmatic decisions. I mean, let's let's look at the most prominent one. Um, people have asked me, well, Phil Knight changed horses. And my answer is no, Phil Knight didn't change horses. Phil Knight got a second horse in the race. Uh, and I think at the end, they need to look around at they, the voters, and they need to say, okay, we've got this huge R&D contest. Who's best suited to represent Oregon, or Oregonians? And how are we not going to let Oregonians get lost in our horse race to the finish line of the R's and the D's? Um, people are going to pragmatically decide, do they want to leave Oregon in a, in a death spiral of status quo? Or do they want to do something different? And there are only two change candidates in this race, Drazen and me. So let me ask you this. What, what, what do you think is the downside of electing a Republican governor? in Oregon at this time over someone like yourself. We already know that <laughs> you and I are on the same page with Tina and it's my show. So who gives a shit? <laughs> but, <laughs> but in terms and, you know, and I tell people, I know Bessie, I've been standing up for her from the beginning because I know you. But why there's going to be a bunch of people. There's this, you know, alleged red wave that's coming. And it seems like people are, you know, jumping on board here in Oregon. You got the question. Go ahead. Yeah, I do. Let's be practical. I don't think that Drazen's going to be able to move the bar very far. I think she's going to get a Democrat House and a Democrat Senate. Now, they may not have the same numbers. Uh, the numbers may modulate a little bit so that it's more equally balanced. But I don't think she's going to have a cooperative legislature. And so then comes the question, without a cooperative legislator, legislature, can she move her agenda? Um, and, and I think that's an open-ended question. On stuff that matters most to Oregonians, Drazen and I are surprisingly uh, of, a, of a similar mind. I met with a bunch of downtown hospitality guys downtown in Portland today. And there were probably, I'm going to guess, 20, 25 people in the room. And all of them were saying the same thing. We can't tolerate having our windows broken out anymore. We can't tolerate finding no people to work for us. We can't tolerate state agencies swaggering through our places, threatening our liquor licenses, um, episodic and contradictory information from the Oregon Health Authority. Something has got to change. And, uh, and so I, as far as dealing with homelessness, what has Tina done? passed legislation with a very heavy hand that enables and prolongs tent cities. What did Drazen and Johnson say? Clean this shit up. Right. And now finally the mayor, after six months or six years of not doing anything about enforcing the no camping ordinance has decided that he's going to do something. Well, he's six years late to the party. He should have done this ages ago. 
I would submit to you that my caterwauling about this has helped propel, propel some courage on his part. Whether or not his plan ever sees the light of day remains to be seen because once again in our toxic polarized politics, the county jumps up in the person of Deborah Kafori and goes, you ain't doing that on my watch. And so who suffers? The people that are living in squalor and cold and rain and drug infested streets, they're the losers because we can't get our political class to stop pissing in each other's shoe and figure out what's the best outcome for Oregonians. You know what I've always thought, Betsy, as I've had this, you know, I sit up down here and when I was in Eugene, I said it. Um, it's like, how is that compassion is to let people suffer in drugs and on the streets um, and, and, and turn really pretending to be compassionate, but really turning a blind eye to what they're doing. And, and it used to be that all we don't want to hide them away from, you know, and put them away because we don't want to hide it. Well, now you've exploited them so much that they're sitting out here and, and city leaders from Eugene to Portland are doing nothing. Um, they're just, they're, they, they don't, I think now they've created a problem. It's like the door when your little brother or sister's chasing you and you slam your bedroom door, they get their foot in the door. You can't get it shut and they're pushing and pushing, but they can't get it shut because it's too late. Well, your rhetorical question is asked and answered. There's nothing compassionate about this. We've had four dead bodies within a very close proximity to where my uh, downtown office is. I've had four windows broken. A couple of days ago, we had a woman standing in the streets uh, down below the second floor where I am, who spent the better part of five hours just incoherently screaming. She must have been exhausted when that was done. Um, the, a new load of drugs must have come in over the weekend because when I drove down here to park this morning, there were people sleeping in practically every vestibule and doorway uh, down Burnside and onto the street where I am. Um, our politics have gotten so coarse, are turning a blind eye to what's happening in Portland, effectuating fixes that make us feel good, but don't do a damn thing for somebody um, waiting on the streets for a house that's not going to get built for years or mental health services that aren't going to arrive for years. There's no part of compassion. And so the county buys tents for people and pats themselves on the back for having remediated uh, homelessness. The city then comes and scrapes the REI tents up and throws them away. The taxpayer gets hosed. The guy in the tent gets hosed. And nobody wins in that circumstances. So we've got to stop doing things that make people feel good. And we've got to listen to the bar and restaurant owners that I met with this morning that said, enough's enough. One of the guys has already um, uh, purchased a facility in Arizona and he's going to close his stuff here, depending on what happens in the election. Right. We've got to get real about the damage that's occurring right now. And I, I am just hopeful that people will pick an Oregon solution rather than this polarized extremes of the R's and the D's. I had a guy write me uh, yesterday and he said, it's kind of an interesting analogy, but he was using, remember 30 years ago in Yellowstone, um, they had grizzly bear problems and they, they, well, they didn't. And then they'd started getting them because people started coming in with picnic baskets and food and all this stuff. So then they started telling people don't feed the bears anymore. And the bears went away. And he said, it's the same thing. You're not, you're not helping Oregon's homeless. 
you are you are attracting homeless from all over the nation. And all you have to do, Betsy, is go down there and ask them. I did it in Eugene. You ask them where they're from. They're not from here. They come here because they know this like Club Med. They can get anything they need. And we've made it attractive, uh, like a like a destination point for people that are not willing to 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 live. And so and then that takes money away from our homeless people who really, truly are homeless. I think there are some very worthy, deserving people on the streets who sincerely need help. Many. But your your feed the bears analogy shows how unwoke you are. So shame on you. Um, <laughs> but uh, we got to be real about the fact that Oregonians poured accelerant on this fire when they passed ballot measure 110. Yep. Um, the, the pernicious influence of open air drug markets in downtown Portland. And when the question was very simplistically asked, do you want treatment or do you want incarceration? Well, it's like saying you want world peace. Vote yes, sign me up for world peace. But I don't think anybody looked down the road to say if there is no incentive to seek treatment and our streets are awash in potent, cheap, available drugs. What's and we're going to spend a billion dollars trying to prove that this is going to work. Um, Tina's argument is, well, don't pull the plug on it before it has a chance to work. My argument is, let's not piss away a billion dollars when we already can pretty clearly prognosticate it ain't going to work. If I'm severely addicted, what's my incentive? I got no jail hanging over my head. I got no drug court hanging over my head. And I can walk a block from here and buy anything. Well, and they did, they've done research and it's the numbers came back and people aren't using it. It's not working like what they said it was going to. I heard a report on KPNW here in town or Eugene. It's not working. The numbers show it. And it's like, and so we, instead of, you know what I think sometimes Betsy is a big, huge ego. It's this thing where we sold this to you. We did this and let's keep doing it until it works or we just, and then you'll get 10 years down the road and you've got all these dead people and these heartbroken families because it didn't work and we couldn't just cut bait. You know, anybody who's a good fisherman knows just there's a point you just cut bait. And at some point we have to just go 110. OK, that was a mistake. Now we got to go, go, go find a real solution to this. Well, when I'm the governor, I'm going to ask the legislature to re-refer that to the people. Good. And I think we ought to have an honest debate about it. Put it back up on the ballot and say, did you guys really mean to do this? Because look at look at the, the availability and the use of drugs and how it permeates our mental health crisis, our housing crisis, our criminal justice crisis. It's everywhere. And then stop this other crap like Kate Brown letting a thousand rapers and muggers and murderers out onto the street when the streets are as violent and as complicated and problematic as they have ever been. Kate's solution is, well, we're going to let these guys out because their little juvenile brains hadn't formed the requisite intent to beat somebody to death with a shovel. Excuse me, that's a pretty overt act. And I would say that your little juvenile brain was probably pr pretty clearly engaged when you took that shovel out of the trunk and you beat a woman. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Betsy, so two, two, two things for you. So one, what is the most, because you, you've, you've run for office. You've been in, how long have you been in, in, the, in Oregon, in the legislature of some branch? I'm tempted to dodge the question, but the answer is 20 years. So what has, what has devolved the most oh. that you were so surprised? I mean, because you've done this back in the Hatfield days when you could disagree with people, when people could disagree with you. And I have an interview with Mark Hatfield where he said, if I was running today, 
And this was in this, this was, you know, back in 2016 or something. Um, the Oregonians wouldn't tolerate me back in the day. They did, but they wouldn't. So you've been doing this a long time. What's the most shocking thing that you've, that you've witnessed? How our political and civil discourse has, has had this corrosive acid drip on it. Let me give you an example. And I hope I don't get emotional doing this. On Saturday, I went to a funeral of a dear friend of mine who fought a valiant fight with cancer and lost. Afterwards, we all poured out of the church. The church was absolutely packed and it emptied onto the park blocks and it was a beautiful fall day. And I was just standing there reflecting on both the poignant and the joyous celebration of this woman's life, who was remembered as somebody who brought people together to help make linkages between people, to help fill the void between uh, just regular folks. And this little troll comes up to me and he starts in, fuck you, fuck your politics, get the fuck out of here. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, we just came from the celebration of life of a mutual friend. We both listened to the same message that came from the speaker and all of the, the pictures and the rest. And that's the message that you came away with in remembering our dear friend's life. I just looked at him and I said, thank you for your charming message on a special day when we remembered our friend. And I turned around and walked away. Unbelievable that he would pick that location and that time um, to, to get into this nasty set of comments to me. You know, back in Hatfield's day, you listen to me, Senator Hatfield's day, um, people could disagree yeah. and they could have discourse and they could learn from each other. But now it's dangerous to disagree. You're going to get canceled. You're going to get vilified. You're going to get lambasted on social media. Um, we've lost our ability to, to talk to each other. Yeah. I, it, it troubles me greatly. And it, it's like, but you know what it's, it's also given me some resolve is because now it's like, fuck you. If you don't, if that's what you, if that's, is that's as small minded as you are. And I get it. Cause people come on my page, even like people who disagree with me on a lot of different things and they'll come on and say, Oh my God, what is wrong with you people? I mean, yes, you know, I don't always agree with the guy, but you know, it, it's like what they, they just can't tolerate anybody. It's like, it's a personal vendetta or something. Now here's the good question to end with. What have you seen that um, makes you just absolutely want to do this and love Oregon and um, and you got a lot of time in, you know, and I think some people look at that like it's a, a, a negative, you know, like, oh, yeah, here's been in the legislature this long. But you you know how this works. And, you know, so what's the good what's the best thing that has made you, you know, get a big smile on your face and kind of, you know. The best thing is, as we've gone around the state, the number of people we do these things called beers with Betsy. I see that. Yeah. The number of times that somebody has come up to me and said, I've never voted before. And these are like adults. I've never voted before because I didn't care. And I, 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 I didn't like what was being said. I like you. And I now for the first time I'm voting for somebody rather than against somebody or against an idea. So there's that cohort of people. And there's the cohort of people that I met with this morning. And I hate to keep going back to this morning, but it's sort of top of mind for me who were plenty grumpy about what was going on in Portland, but they said, we came down here this morning to talk solutions. 
we're now activated. We want to fix things. We want to call out where there's room for improvement. But moreover, we want to put our shoulder to the wheel and be part of that, make it better. And that's very energizing. Um, the other thing are kids. I, I think kids that are awakening to the notion that they can participate in politics if they don't get shouted down in their very woke schools, um, give everybody's ideas a chance to breathe. I, I had a little kid, a little kid, she's a fifth grader, come to an event that I did last night. And she, she walked up to me and she said, I have a question for you. I said, fine. And she said, it's very important to me that I'm a leader. What do you think are the qualities of leadership? And I thought this is out of a fifth grader. I felt kind of embarrassed that she was asking that level of sophistication. And I said to her, probably the, the toughest thing you can keep in the back of your mind is that real leadership is taking other people places you might not want to go. Charming little girl. And our young woman. And um, those are the sorts of things. I, Oregon slipped pretty far, but I still think there's time to snatch her back from the out of the jaws of the alligator and, and fix a place we all love. That's why I'm in this. I hope Oregonians will realize that my motives are pretty pure. This isn't a stepping stone to something else. I'm not running for miscongeniality. I'm here based on a 20-year record of fixing shit, and I want to fix shit in Oregon. So when you walk into that Capitol and you are the governor of Oregon, what, what would you, would you, what would your dad think? I hope he'd be proud of me. About your race too. Do you think he would? I think I he would. I think so. I think so. We've, we haven't gotten snipey or bitchy with anybody. We've tried to stay on the issues. We've tried to offer an Oregon alternative um, we've tried to talk about people working together. I've been criticized for saying I sound like Pollyanna. You know, can we just all get along? I believe we can. I mean, just I'll leave you with this thought. Imagine a governor who would say, I won't sign a major bill into law. I won't sign a budget into law. I won't make an appointment to a border commission unless there's evidence of bipartisan support. If a bill is good for one set of Oregonians, it ought to be good for all Oregonians. That's the message that this campaign has carried, and that's the message I would take into the governor's office. Nobody has the high ground on the good ideas. Let's get everybody back at the table. All right. Betsy Johnson, gubernatorial candidate for governor on the non-affiliated ticket, the largest single voting block in Oregon. Um, congratulations. Um, I will be watching from Montana uh, with my fingers crossed for you. I will never start stop supporting you as long as we're around. You know Thank that. You. I right. know that. Thank you. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks, Betsy. Thanks for right, your time. You Thank you. Me. All right. She's the real deal. Um, you know, obviously, it's like Betsy said, you do what you got to do when you get to the voting block um, and your thing. But, you know, <laughs> for those of you who tell me, you're, you know, you're, the polls say, the polls say, well, you know what? What do you say? I don't really care what the polls say. And um, it, it's really what's going to happen at the end of the day. Um, you know, my hope is that Bessie wins. I hope if she doesn't, that Drazen does. Um, and you guys will be in good shape with the two of them. I think you'll be in the best shape with Bessie. And this is my show, so that's my bias. Um, that's just how I am. Um, but anyway, that's the, the show for tonight. And um, I uh, it's up to you. Now, tomorrow, I'll tell you what we've got going on. Um, Patrick Moore, when he was president of Greenpeace for some years, and when he left in the 80s, um, he kind of turned uh, 
completely different and started seeing the environmental movement for something that uh, he, he wasn't too proud of. Well, he's really big on forest management. And you know all that smoke you guys in Oregon are experiencing right now? Well, he's going to talk about that. And hopefully uh, it won't get pulled <laughs> from the social media gods, little G. All right. Have a good night. That's tomorrow night, uh, five o'clock right here on Get Real with Rick Dancer.